your Bibles, we'll be looking at various passages, but if you have it open around Matthew 6 and 7, that would be useful. I guess most Christians are aware of the um, time when Jesus went into the desert for 40 days, and he was tempted by Satan to change stones into bread and Jesus reply so I guess most of us know this Jesus answered it is written man does not live on bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God so I guess most of us are familiar with that but how many of us have bothered to go and look up the passage that Jesus was actually quoting from And if you do, you find it's quite interesting. He's quoting, in fact, Moses from Deuteronomy chapter 8. And it has an Exodus reference. Because this is what Moses actually said. The Lord humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. The manna that they had in the desert was actually meant to teach them that man does not live by bread alone. It provided the bread they needed in the desert, and yet it was there to teach them that man does not live by bread alone. So we've been looking into the Lord's Prayer, and one thing I'm sure that's struck us as we've been doing that is the conciseness of it the brevity of it Jesus has said hadn't he when you pray do not keep on babbling like the pagans for they think they will be heard because of their many words but as Jesus pointed out that God knows what we want before we ask him so what matters in prayer isn't the quantity if you like but the quality and we have this, this central petition. Give us today our daily bread. It's almost shockingly brief, isn't it? There seems to be no qualification, no explanation. Just these few terse words. In that brevity perhaps lies the possibility of misuse of actually not understanding what it is we're really praying. So I think we need to look at this. So if we're to make this petition as Jesus intended, we need to understand it in the context of the rest of the prayer and in that body of Jesus' teaching, which we call the Sermon on the Mount, because, of course, it's an integral part of the Sermon on the Mount. And in the Sermon on the Mount, and also in John 6, as you may be aware, Jesus has an awful lot to say about bread, in fact. So it's worth thinking about. And we notice also, what about the immediate context? Well, the petition's place in the prayer is introduced by the second part of chapter 6, verse 10. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Last week, was, Jerome was reminding us that the kingdom of heaven is both to come and present now. As Chris was reminding us this morning, redemption is already accomplished, but is also to come. 
And the prayer refers both to the future and the present. And so verse 10, in a sense, is the link. It's the link between heaven and earth, and it's the link between future and present. And then verse 11, obviously, give us today our daily bread, is located in the here and now. And yet, as I think we'll see as we look at it, it remains a kingdom petition. The whole of the Lord's Prayer, is really the whole of Matthew's Gospel, is about the kingdom and the coming kingdom and the kingdom now. And so it remains a petition relevant to the kingdom. So what I'd like to do this evening, quite simply really, is just pull this petition apart into its three components and then put them back together again. So first of all, we'll look at give us and then we'll look at the significance of the word today and then we'll ask what it is we're actually praying for. What is our daily bread anyway? What are we asking God to do? When are we asking him to do it? And what are we asking for? The action, the time, and the object. So let's uh, start by looking at give us. The word give in English can have a variety of shades of meaning. And that does actually seem to be true of the Greek word, which is didomai, which it translates. So we need to be sure we understand exactly what uh, shade of meaning is meant by give us here. Because a robber might say, give me your money and credit cards or I'll knife you. He doesn't really mean give in any usual sense of the word, does he? But we do use the word that way. It means hand over or I'll shoot you, your money or your life. And yet surely this is the very opposite of what is meant here. It is not a demand. Why do we know that? Well, because Jesus has told us in verse 8 that we should not be like the pagans because the Father knows what you need before you ask him. He's there ready to give. He's not, we're not forcing him to give as some seems to be the case perhaps with some pagan rituals that if you, know, if you press the right buttons then the God might shell out. But that's not what we're asking for here. The Father knows before we ask him what we need. So it's not a mugger's license. It's not a highwayman's uh, cry, you know, your money or your life. That's not what is meant here by give. But another meaning of give is give me because I can't be bothered to, to work for it. So is this perhaps uh, uh, the lazy request of a scrounger? Is it a sluggard's charter? Is it the attitude of one who cannot be bothered with the labour of growing food but hopes instead that God will just drop it into his lap? Now actually, if you briefly read the Sermon on the Mount, I suppose you might give that impression, get that impression. But closer inspection shows this is not what Jesus means. This isn't a sluggard's charter. On the contrary, it's all about striving and desiring an effort. 
Matthew 5:16 says, "Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled." The verbs in the sermon are all active. Ask, seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened. Build on the rock. Enter by the narrow gate. Climb the narrow path, the steep path. This is not a recipe for inactivity, this give at all. And uh, just in case you think I'm misinterpreting that, let me remind you of some words of Paul. In in 2 Thessalonians, Even when we were with you, we gave you this rule, if a man will not work, he shall not eat. We hear that some among you are idle, they're not busy, they're busybodies. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the bread they eat. And one reason for doing that is so we might have something to share with those in need. In Proverbs we read, the sluggard craves and gets nothing. It's the desires of the diligent who are fully satisfied. A sluggard does not plough in season. So in harvest time, he looks but finds nothing. Jesus is not recommending inactivity here. Quite the opposite. He's recommending that we ask and seek and knock and build on his words. And as I say, neither is he suggesting that we sit and wait for our food to drop in our lap. Of course not. So if this word is neither a mugger's license or a sluggard's charter, what does it mean? And actually it's quite interesting to look at Deuteronomy chapter 26 and the verses there. Verses, we could read the whole thing from nine, chapter 26, verse from 9 through to 15, but I won't quite read all of it. For one reason, I couldn't get it all on the slide. Um, <laughs> I wanted to emphasize we could do the sort of word count that Phil does sometimes. Just see how many times the word give is used here. Except I've done it for you because I've put it on the slide in red. Deuteronomy 26, 9 to 11 and then verse 15. The Lord brought us to this place and gave us this land. A land flowing with milk and honey. And now I bring the first fruits of the soil that you, O Lord, have given me. Place the basket before the Lord your God and bow down before him. And you and the Levites and the aliens among you shall rejoice in all the good things the Lord your God has given to you and your household. Look down from heaven, your holy dwelling place, and bless your people Israel and the land you have given us as you promised on oath to our forefathers, a land flowing with milk and honey. Notice this passage is all about giving. The people are giving, if you like, bringing the first fruits of the harvest to God. After all, they've grown it themselves. It didn't fall into their lap. And yet, they're bringing it to God, acknowledging that 
it is because the Lord has brought them there. It is the Lord who waters the seed and makes it grow. It is even the Lord who gives them the health that they need to dig the ground and sow the seed and um, produce the crop. As uh, the old uh, Church of England liturgy says when they have a collection, all things come from you, O Lord, and the responses and of thine own have we given thee. And that's uh, very biblical, isn't it? We bring the first fruit of the crop or our money or whatever it is we bring to the Lord's service. It reminds us we're only giving him back what he's given us in the first place. So this passage is all about giving. So what are we to make of this word, give? When we say, give us this day our daily bread, we're acknowledging, aren't we, that all that we have, and that includes the labor that produced the crop in the first place, comes from God. When we say grace at the beginning of a meal, we thank the Lord for giving it. It's the, the food, don't we? That's the first thing we do. We may say thankful, thank you to those who produced it, but in fact probably we should. But um, we should thank the Lord for those who produced it. Most of the cooking in my house is done by my wife, who many of you know is an extremely good cook. And, um, but, and sometimes, I hope, probably not nearly enough, but I do sometimes compliment her on her cooking and thanking her for, for doing it, probably not nearly as much as I should do. But both of us pray, we thank the Lord for the food that is, has been supplied. I've just sat there and it has, in a sense, landed on my plate. But Brenda has... Uh, worked at it and produced it and we both thank the Lord for that there's a psalm of, written by wise Solomon which says unless the Lord builds the house its builders labor in vain unless the Lord watches over the city the watchmen stand guard in vain Solomon is not suggesting that the bricklayers don't do their stuff that the carpenters don't get their saws out of course not what he's saying is that in fact the skills of the bricklayer and the carpenter, the very fact that they have energy and food and, and can actually work, come from the Lord. And in fact, if that were not the case, then the house would never get built. The watchmen could guard the city. If the Lord is not watching over the city, then they're wasting their time. They stand guard in vain. And that's why I read some of chapter 7, because it says there, if you then, who, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good, give good gifts to those who ask him? So, what is this give that we're saying, give us? It's not the demand of a mugger, but we might think of it perhaps as a child who knows where his dinner comes from, but who wants to know if it's dinner time, who comes in from school or from play and says, is dinner ready yet? Remembering, just acknowledging that the dinner has been provided by his parents. And so when we make this petition, give us, we're acknowledging that without God's blessing, all our own labor is, is useless. So what about this word today? 
And it's emphasized, isn't it? Give us today our daily bread. And that, that is the case in the Greek as well. Different words, today and daily. But they both mean, well, the translation is pretty well exactly what it says. What about this word today? Well, firstly, as we've already noticed, it embeds the prayer in the here and now, doesn't it? This is not some future expectation or some future aspiration. It is a prayer for the satisfaction of our current need. It's living in the kingdom now, acknowledging that the full power of the kingdom has not yet come, but acknowledging that we live nonetheless in the kingdom now. We may keep our treasure in heaven, but we also need to eat now. But the word today actually does much more than just embedding it in the present. It actually restricts the scope of the prayer, doesn't it? Have you ever thought that? We ask for our daily bread today. We don't ask for this week or this month or this year. Neither, for that matter, do we ask for this hour. Give us a, this hour, our hourly bread. It's a day. What's a day? One work period. It's a, a period of activity between two sleeps. If we're on the march, it's the distance between two campsites. And what we are praying for is that we will have what we need today. Now why is that? Why does Jesus tell us to focus on today here? We've already noticed that prudence and diligence are good things. Scripture certainly encourages both of those things for us to be prudent and to be diligent. And it's right to plan ahead to sow the seed in due time in the expectation that the seed at the right time will get a harvest. So it's not prudence or diligence that Jesus is warning against. What it is, well, we saw it, didn't we, in that passage at the end of chapter 6, it's worry. Prudence and diligence are good, but worry is bad. And that's why we have all these Exodus references and pilgrim references. You can't carry enough food to cross the desert, and particularly you can't if it's going to take you 40 years to do it. There has to be provision in the desert for the pilgrim march today. A pilgrim, if you like to put it that way, travels light. And so that's why Jesus says so much about worry in, in verses 25 to 34. Just uh, flick through it with me. Just have it open there and have a look at it. What does he say? First of all, those who worry too much about food and clothing have the wrong priorities. Chapter 6, 25. They're not focused on the kingdom. They lack faith. Chapter 6, verse 30. 
They've forgotten that the Father knows we need these things. Chapter 6, verse 32. In fact, they lack a kingdom perspective. Verse 33. And so, in fact, they belie the very prayer of chapter 6, verse 10. And so, what is Jesus' conclusion to this? Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. The petition reminds us not to worry about the future, to give us today our daily bread. It's not a, a plea for inactivity. It's not a plea for um, lack of planning or lack of diligence. It's a plea to focus on the kingdom perspective. A plea to remember that God knows that we need these things. And that um, if we're going around scratching for them, if we're constantly inactive, constantly seeking and searching and worrying about things, then that will distract us from the work of the kingdom. It's one of the things in the parable of the um, sower, isn't it? The, the um, weeds come up and choke us, choke the word. And so this is a petition not to worry about the future in that sense, but to give us today our daily bread what we need for today what we need for this march today what we need for today's project what we need for today's activity we need to travel light now let's think about what it is we're actually praying for anyway seems very simple doesn't it our daily bread slice of white toast maybe or a good healthy wholemeal loaf perhaps you like a bit of brioche perhaps you have French tastes but of course it's actually much something much more significant than that bread here has an almost mythic significance remember there were no potatoes in the ancient Middle East bread was the carbohydrate staple sustained life and for the Jews particularly bread had many resonances didn't, resonances, didn't it particularly evoking the exodus so there was we already noted the bread that was made from manna in the wilderness that they could only gather enough for that day there was the unleavened bread which marked the Passover and escape from Egypt and of course the point of unleavened bread is that you can't sit around waiting for it to rise. It has to be, you have to travel light. You have to carry it with you. And then there was the showbread, wasn't there? The, the loaves that were put in front of the lampstand. You can read about it in Numbers, I think it's chapter 6 and various other places. Where the, uh, there was one loaf for each tribe. And they were placed... Um, before the lampstands and the lampstand on, on the table of showbread and the lamps shone on the table on the bread and that reminded them the, the loaves there represented the life of the people themselves each tribe and the lampstand represented God shining his blessing on the peoples 
So bread had all sorts of resonances from the, um, for the Jews. But it also actually has a mythic significance for us as well, doesn't it? As that which sustains life. We still use it that way. If you're a fan of Tolkien's Lord of the Rings, you know that when Frodo and Sam are struggling through Mordor, what keeps them alive is the elven waybread, the thing that can sustain life in a hostile environment. Well, that's just fiction, of course, but it fiction that relates to a, a real truth, that it is bread which sustains life in difficult circumstances. And there's even a contrast, isn't there? In the promised land, there's milk and honey. But in the wilderness, there's bread. Bread made from the manna. Bread is basic. Bread is what will keep you alive under stress. And remember what happened to the Israelites when they ate quails in the desert. Well, they got food poisoning. Made them ill. But the manna sustained life. So bread stand, here stands for what is necessary for life. Of course, we do like a bit of luxury as well, don't we? Um, we, we fancy the milk and honey as well. But sometimes, indeed, God does provide that. Indeed, the promised land was described as a, a land flowing with milk and honey. But if we forget it comes from him... It makes us fat and self-centered, doesn't it? Luxury is dangerous. Uh, let me remind you of that parable that Jesus told. This is in Luke chapter 12. Jesus told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who, you will, who will get what you prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich towards God. It's not the luxury itself, the bountiful crop, that was this rich farmer's problem. It wasn't even really st st sticking the stuff in barns and saying, I've more than enough to eat. It was forgetting that this came from the Lord. And that's what happens with luxury too much, isn't it? We remember that bread sustains life and that comes from the, from the Lord. When we have milk and honey and luxuries, then we tend to forget that and think it's by our own efforts we've earned them and that we've, you know, we deserve them and that, we've, uh, and that you know, we need more and more of them and are never satisfied. Sometimes God does give us more than just bread, in a sense. It does give us things more than that. But it's very dangerous when he does. We need to be very careful. We need to remember to thank him for them. And uh, 
remember that there are those who do not have these extras. You know, how many of us actually just live on bread? We don't, probably nobody here. And yet there are those who would be glad of just a, a slice of bread to keep them alive for the day. Do we remember that all these things come from God and whether we have much or little, it is the Lord who sent them and the Lord who sustains life. And we must make sure we're not the one who stores up things for himself but is not rich towards God. That was the problem that that rich farmer had. Not that he'd had a successful crop, but that he attributed it to himself and was not rich towards God. So what are we actually praying for when we pray for our daily bread? I think what we need to think of it is be, as standing for that which sustains life. And certainly that includes the necessities of this life. We need food, don't we? We need clothing. We need shelter and we need family. If you look at Matthew 6:33 or Matthew 7, verse 9, it is our families that provide the food and shelter often that we need. So it does, I'm sure, refer to that which we need to live today. But actually, I think we need to make it broader than that. I'm not saying it doesn't include that. I'm sure it does. But we need also to remember that we do not live by bread alone, but by on every word that comes from the mouth of God. We need to remember those words which we read in chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. And what's the reason why we shouldn't do that? Well, Jesus tells us. He says, is not life more important than food? And the body more important than clothes? Man does not live on bread alone. Notice that he doesn't. Notice the word is there alone is there. Jesus is not denying that we need bread. But what he's saying is that there's something even more important to sustain life than a loaf of bread. Because life itself comes from God and we need more to sustain life than just grain. And so Jesus taught this. Do not work for food that spoils but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him the Father has placed his seal of approval. That's John 6:27, And a bit later in John he says this. I, Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus says that the real bread of life, what we really need, is the Lord himself. So when we pray for our daily bread, I'm sure that we are praying for our food tomorrow and our shelter and our families because the Lord Father does indeed know that we need these things. But more than that, we're praying that he will give us the bread of life, the Son and again, today, remember, not 30 years ago or five years ago, whenever it was we first turned to him, 
but give us today our daily bread. We need our portion of the Lord Jesus today and we'll need another one tomorrow and the day after that. So let's put it together then. Let's pray this prayer. Give us today our daily bread. Let's be like the child who comes in from play and says, is it dinner time? Mum, Dad, I'm really hungry. Uh, let's uh, go to the Lord hungering and thirsting as he tells us to but hungering and thirsting after righteousness is what he tells us really to hunger and thirst for and let's travel pilgrim style let's travel light not carrying too much with us that will weigh us down and on the other hand if the Lord does give us things of this world which sometimes he does we should be thankful to him it's been said that the, the Christian life is not ascetic though it is right to rejoice in the gifts that God gives us and often he does give us the milk and honey as well as the bread but we need not to think we provided those ourselves we need to hold them lightly being able to put them down if necessary if they start weighing us down God doesn't tell everyone to put aside riches but he did to that young man who came to him didn't he and says sell all that you have why not because there was anything wrong actually with him being rich but because it was weighing him down it was blinding him to his need it was uh, making him think he trusted in that rather than on the Lord who gives life so let's learn to travel light. These words have an enormous scope. We're not praying them as a thief demanding something we're not entitled to. And we're not praying as a scrounger hoping to avoid effort. As I said, we come as a child to his parents asking, is, it dinner, is dinner ready yet? Because the child knows that the parents know that he needs dinner. And he knows indeed that the, that the parents have already provided but he comes, the request acknowledges his dependence on that parental provision. What we're praying for is everything that is necessary for life today. So we travel light, but we don't travel carelessly. We ask for enough for today. We can't live on nothing. We do need food and clothing and shelter. But even more vital is that which sustains our spiritual life, the presence today of the Lord Jesus through the Spirit. So let's pray that prayer now, perhaps with a more of an understanding of what we're really praying. So let's uh, just say the words together, just that simple phrase. Give us today our daily bread. Amen. Amen. So.